That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. It's about four o'clock in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. Scott Ritter joins us now. Scott, uh, thank you very much uh, for every time you come on the show. Has, of course, has Ukraine already lost this war? I believe so. Um, I mean, and the, the big factor is what the Secretary General of the United, uh, of, of NATO, I'm sorry, has uh, pointed out. Uh, Ukraine's going to run out of 155 millimeter artillery ammunition sometime this summer, and there's nothing NATO can do to uh, alter that outcome. And in a war that is largely defined by uh, each side's ability to put artillery fire down on the other, if one side runs out of ammunition, the other side doesn't, it doesn't uh, look too well for the side that runs out of ammunition. So yeah, I think the, the, the cards are there on the table. Ukraine's lost the war. So I just received um, an email uh, from a very uh, reliable source, Gary, if you want to put it on the screen, saying single source reporting rebellion ongoing by Ukraine troops in Bakhmut. This is five minutes old, Scott. Zelensky is furious, calling for General Zeluzhny to put down the rebels. Ukraine's lines east, north, and south under tremendous pressure. What is the, assuming this is accurate, and again, my source is intellectually honest enough to say it's a single source, but assuming it's accurate, what is this telling you? Reb- rebellion in the, tra- in the uh, ranks? Well, if you've been following, um, you know, the, the ongoing saga of Bakhmut, um, there is anecdotal information in terms of videos submitted by people. We can't prove they are who they say they are, but, um, that, that just indicate that the, the rank-and-file Ukrainian uh, soldier is fed up, uh, that they're being committed into combat, that uh, they themselves say that if you send a company in to Bakhmut, by that night, they've suffered 70%, 80% casualties and have to be withdrawn the next day. This is a suicide mission. It's a one-way mission. Um, and to, for what purpose? Uh, you know, There's no strategic uh, goal other than the pride of Zelensky here. And I think basically you have a situation where thousands of Ukrainian soldiers are, are confronting the, the imminence of their demise and are doing what humans do in these conditions, uh, rise up to try and preserve their lives. And they're revolting against, if this source is true, revolting against the orders that have them, you know, basically go on a one-way mission to hell. And uh, that's it. And the, the issue about the pressure, uh, you and I have talked about this, you know, people go, where's the Russian offensive? It's happening right now, guys. The pressure that's being put on the Ukrainians isn't just in Bakhmut. It's throughout the entire line, constant pressure, constant chewing away. And I think the, 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 the culmination of all this is causing mm-hmm. fractures in the Ukrainian uh, armed forces. And they appear to be manifesting themselves along the lines that are indicative in your uh, email. What, what, uh, what would General uh, Zeluzhny, for whom I believe you have a lot of respect, do? 
What what should a command? He's probably not physically there. But what would he do if there's true rebellion going on? Do you shoot them? Do you talk to them? What do you do when your colleagues are, or the or the people under your command are rebelling in order to save their lives? Well, a good commander will save the lives of his soldiers. And a good commander will recognize that the cauldron that's developing there is a, uh, is a suicide trap. And a good commander would... Uh, undertake the those missions necessary to get as many of those troops out and preserve their lives. Uh, I'm not here to glorify Nazi leaders and German commanders during World War II, but there were several instances during the fighting on the East Front when uh, German troops were facing uh, encirclement and uh, high-quality leaders such as uh, von Manstein uh, disregarded orders to hold at all costs and uh, instead maneuvered to preserve the lives of, uh, of his soldiers and, and continue. And General Zeluzhny is a soldier who uh, is a professional. He uh, claims to care about his troops. So a good commander would get them out of there. And if you have to launch an attack, a supporting attack to create the opportunity for withdrawal of troops, then you do that. But um, a bad commander uh, would send in uh, nationalist forces who will create a line behind the Ukrainian lines and start shooting anybody who goes in. A bad leader will go in and grab leaders and make an example of them by executing them in front of their soldiers. Uh, so we'll find out what kind of leaders illusion he is. Uh, were you um, as dismayed as I was to see uh, Secretary of the Treasury, uh, Janet Yellen in Kiev, handing a facsimile? I can't imagine it was a real check. What, what, what they said was a check for $1.8 billion to him. Uh, yes, but I'm also cognizant of the fact that um, I can virtually guarantee you that while she was handing in that check, she was sending another message. And that message is that um, the, the United States is in a bottomless pit. And we know, I mean, there's been media reports have been saying this is the message going to Zelensky, especially after Biden uh, spoke in Warsaw, where he was like, rah, 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 we're here for you till the end, the bitter end, da, 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 da. And then immediately the message went out, disregard the president, um, there is no bottomless pit here. You're going to have to find a way to negotiate an end to this conflict before we run out of things to give you, because we are running out of things to give you. And when we run out, there's nothing left to give you. And then you won't have anything, you know, any negotiating leverage. So it's better for you to negotiate now than there. And that's an ongoing fight that's going on inside the uh, Ukrainian government right now, which is they are gradually being confronted with the inevitability of their demise. And uh, the question is, what kind of deal can they get out of this? That's why they're hopeful that NATO can continue to provide them stuff so they can turn that into leverage against the Russians saying, um, you know, give us as much as we can to make this more face-saving. The Russians aren't playing that game. Too many Russians have died, uh, too much betrayal on the part of the West. Um, but if Zelensky wants to continue fighting this, I can guarantee you the Russians are, are, are going to be willing to continue to kill Ukrainian soldiers and, until which time either the soldiers rise up and rebel against uh, Zelensky, which appears that could be beginning to happen, or um, they they surrender without uh, preconditions, an unconditional surrender. I mean, what what would happen if uh, Zelensky allowed uh, Russia control of the Donbas uh, and eastern Ukraine, the the parts that are in dispute? Certainly, the Russian-speaking parts. If the soldiers just withdrew, Putin has no uh, wish to destroy Kiev, does he? No, I, the, the president just gave a, a speech on February 21st. Um, you're familiar with Ray McGovern, 
uh, the oh, CIA yeah. analyst. Yeah, yeah. Ray, uh, Ray is a, Ray is like an older version of you. Ray is a great, <laughs> courageous, intelligent man who understands the Constitution, understands uh, human freedom, and understands the way the world works. Well, he understands the Soviet Union and the Russians as well. He was the old Soviet. Well, I think he was even before Soviet. He was the premier Soviet analyst in the CIA for a while. And um, Ray taught me, you know, a good Marine always learns from his uh, from his superiors. And Ray is a mentor <laughs> and he's a good guy. And he taught me something very important about evaluating Soviet and Russians. And he said, listen to them. He said, they will tell you, they, they will say what they mean and they mean what they say. Uh, so I actually listened before, to before we even get to what he said, because mm -hmm. I thought, as you did, it was a brilliant speech. We're speaking of uh, President Putin's annual State of the Nation speech. American media told us before he gave the speech, expect him to be bitter, angry, and vengeful. And then when he gave the speech, which wasn't bitter, wasn't angry, wasn't vengeful, was very articulate and measured. They said it was underwhelming. So, of course, there's no way that they could be pleased. They were more or less dumbfounded. You wrote a great piece with your take on it. I have a lot of notes from it, but I'll let you, uh, I'll let you go go through it. I mean, it more or less was his report card on the first year, and it didn't go exactly the way he wanted, but he's going to continue moving uh, forward. It was a very honest... Uh, yeah, very his honest yeah, it was a very honest... Uh, a report, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, you know, a lot of domestic stuff because it was for a domestic Russian audience. But the the, the major takeaway here is people were expecting big arrows. You know, he's going to come up and announce a drive on Kiev, the major offensive. And they're like, well, he didn't. So we're disappointed. And I'm like, you didn't listen to what he said. He actually told you exactly what he's going to do. Uh, he's going to look at concentrate on the economic and social well-being of the newly acquired territories of Kherson, Zaporizhia, Donetsk, and Lugansk in totality. Uh, so his focus is on their prosperity, which means they have to be liberated from the Ukrainian occupiers who are there right now. So we know right off the bat that this war ain't stopped until all of that territory is liberated. Then he said, in order to guarantee their security, we will continue to push those forces away to the maximum range of the weapons that are being provided to Ukraine by the West. In this case, it's the HIMARS with the small bomb uh, rocket, 150 kilometers. So he's telling you right up that Russia is not going to stop advancing. That they've gone 150 kilometers inland. So anybody have any questions? There it is. The president said so. And I'll tell you what about Putin. A man don't bluff. When he says it, he does it. And um, that's that's what's going to happen. Let, let me let me quote him. Obviously, this is an English translation with which I know you will agree. He's talking about the military assistance being provided by the West to Ukraine, particularly long-range artillery systems, which you just mentioned. Here's the quote. The greater the range of these systems, the further away we will be forced to move the threat from our borders. Now, suppose these, syst these systems go three, four, five hundred kilo uh, kilometers. Is he talking about the Polish border, which uh, his predecessor, Medvedev, said last week, that's what he's, That's where we may have to go? If that's the systems that are provided, then that's the answer. Right now, again, he just put a number out there. I mean, he put, you know, I'm putting the number based upon his words. The maximum range, 150 kilometers right now. Um, 
just go old school on me. Get a map, get the the scale, get a, one of those compasses with the pointy end and the pencil. Gee, uh, they still make those, those things? <laughs> I don't know. My kids have from <laughs> But, you know, go out to 150 kilometers and then go to the border and start drawing it. And what do you get? You get Odessa. So a lot of questions. Is Russia going to go to Odessa? I think Putin just answered the, the question. Yes. You get Dnepropetrovsk. Is Russia going to go to Dnepr? Putin just answered. Yes. Are they going to take Kharkov? Yep. They're going to take Kharkov too. Putin just answered all your questions, you know, but he doesn't have to come out there and pound the table and point at a map and scream. He just calmly says, this, and what he's saying is, don't blame me. It's your fault. You're the ones who've set the terms of this relationship. You provided them with weapons that threaten the Russian people. I'm the leader of the Russian people. I will protect them. So I'm going to push you back beyond the range of the weapons you provided to the Ukrainians. You, you also pointed out in your article, and again, this was for uh, domestic Russian uh, consumption, that he was quite praiseworthy of all the factory workers that are working around the clock. Uh, to produce uh, more hardware and more ammunition. And from that, you concluded, I think quite properly, but I want you to give a basis for it, uh, that R Russia is a nation mobilized for war. Absolutely. The, the, the whole presentation of his speech, first of all, he, um, he talked about the casualties. And he talked about the need to take care of the casualties, the need to take care of the families. And he invoked the great patriotic war in doing so. So clearly he is linked this current fight is being an existential struggle on par with the Great Patriotic War. Now, here in America, we can go that Great Patriotic War. It's his World War II. Great Patriotic War is his terminology for World War II. Correct. And okay. the important thing about that is, again, I may have asked you this question before, but I'll just throw it up for the audience. When was the last time we celebrated, truly celebrated Victory in Europe Day? Not for a long time. Well, when's the Every last time year. they celebrated it? Every year. May 9th, they celebrate it. And yes, you know, one of the reasons we don't celebrate is because we're running out of veterans to support. So we, we identify the war based upon the guys who fought the war, guys and gals. Right. They identify it as part of their culture, their history, their gut. They have something called the Immortal Regiment, and it is something to behold. The, all the people of Russia come out to the streets and they hold the photographs of their grandparents, their great-grandparents, or their current relatives. Anybody who served then died, served today, they march because this is a nation that will never forget the Great Patriotic War, the Second World War. So when the Russian president invokes that to the current struggle, this is visceral. It's serious. He means it. And then he turned around and said, our defense industries are working constantly around the clock, producing the weapons we need to fight this struggle and to prepare ourselves for a future struggle. Russia is a nation at war. Everybody's like, well, where's the declaration of war? He didn't make it, but he just told you, listen to what the president said. Now, ask yourself, where's American defense industry? Are we cranking things out 24-7? Have we mobilized new factories? Are we working around the clock? Have we called this an existential struggle? Have we mobilized the support of the American people? Has President Biden said anything that gets the American people up out of their seats ready to march today? No, we're no, not no. a nation of war. And yet we claim to seek the strategic defeat of Russia. Ain't going to happen. He actually uh, said that the, the West is waging a war of economic aggression intended to destabilize our society from within. I mean, that is not only true, it is shockingly candid and direct uh, from the leader of a, of a nation. So he doesn't. But he also, said, but he also said they're winning. 
He said, you may be seeking that, but guess what? We actually are winning. We are thriving. Your sanctions haven't worked. We are, I mean, think about it. It's a nation that's been subjected to the most stringent economic sanctions in modern history. And it's a nation at war. Whenever we go to war, we're into deficit spending, deficit spending, deficit spending. And instead, what he's saying is, um, our economy's recovered from the sanctions, our economy's growing, and we're running a budget surplus. When was the last time America went to war and ran a budget surplus? Probably, probably never. Never. Surplus. <laughs> I mean, he, he talks about uh, Russia will not destroy our own economy in pursuit of cannons over butter. Yeah. What a very simple, brilliant, and even gifted way to explain that even though we're on a war uh, footing, life will go on and we will remain prosperous. Their sanctions be damned. Yeah, you know, in in the West, we tend to believe that we won the Cold War by uh, out out spending the Russians, and we forced them in order to keep pace with us to sacrifice butter for cannons, and that led to problems. What he's saying is, we will not repeat the mistakes of the past. What we're doing right now with this mobilization, and everything, we haven't forgot the people, and we will. We can do both. We can make cannons, and we can make butter. We can win this war, and our people can prosper. And here's the interesting thing. He's doing it. He isn't just saying it. He's doing it. And we are even compelled right now, the experts in the West, to say, yeah, he is doing it. He's, he's actually doing what he says. He's, he's winning. He's prevailing. So, so yesterday, I guess it was actually the day before, uh, Secretary Blinken uh, in Mumbai, India, at the meeting of the G20 foreign ministers, uh, pulled aside Sergei Lavrov, his opposite number from uh, Russia, and he said they spoke for 10 minutes. And then they, why they do this, the State Department spokesman said Secretary Blinken uh, told the foreign minister that we will continue to aid Ukraine for as long as it takes. Now, I, I don't know if that's true, but if I were Blinken, I would say, I would have said, hey, Sergei, is there any way we can start talking about this? Not in not in Ukraine, not in Russia, maybe in Geneva. Is any way any way we can start talking rather than the two of us in a hallway for ten minutes with a translator? What do you think? Well, that's called diplomacy, and uh, the Biden administration <laughs> does not know how to carry out diplomacy, and they proved it with the release. I don't know if Blinken has the cojones to pull that stunt off. I mean, to go up against one of the world's most accomplished diplomats, a man who was doing diplomacy when Blinken was still in grade school, and um, and, and, and confront him in that fashion. I mean, we know that the Biden administration is capable of lying uh, to create perception, to avoid focusing on reality. Maybe Blinken said something that replicates that. But the, the bottom line is there's widespread recognition in Washington, D.C. today that we are going to have to find a way to get to the negotiating table with the Russians. And you don't get to the negotiating table by pulling Lavrov aside and threatening him. Uh, first of right. all, Blinken's the wrong guy to be issuing that threat. He has no credibility. Um, you know, he should be saying just what you said. How can we do this? And you know what about the Russians? I've learned this about them over the years. They're the most discreet diplomats in the world, meaning that unlike us, when the Russians would say something, we run to the press and say, this is what happened. If you go to the Russians and say, hey, we need a little head of tet here. How can we get to the negotiating table? Lavrov isn't going to go running out saying, well, Blinken just came to me and showed American weakness by begging to come to the negotiating table. He's not going to say a darn thing because 
He's going to sit there and see if you're going to follow through. So you can get to the negotiating table and maybe negotiate a, a, a good settlement. Um, Isn't Biden shooting himself in the foot by saying we're going to do this for as long as it takes when he must know the people around him must be telling him an analysis similar to what you're giving me that the, the United States simply can't go at this for as long as it takes. And of course, he won't or can't answer the question as long as it takes to do what? If you ask Lindsey Graham, it's kill Vladimir Putin. If you uh, if you uh, ask Tony Blinken in private, he'll probably say to destabilize Russia or destabilize Vladimir Putin. Whatever it is, it's not militarily achievable. No, um, and, yeah, and we know and that. Biden's got to be told that. Well, General Cavoli just told him. General Cavoli is a three-star general, commander of American forces in Europe, commander of all NATO forces in Europe. Uh, and he gave a, uh, a public presentation in Sweden in January where he said that stuff that's going on in Ukraine right now is on a scope and scale of violence we didn't even imagine. We don't know how to comprehend what's going on there. And what that means is we're not trained, equipped, organized, prepared for that kind of fighting. Now, if your general's saying this publicly, I can guarantee you he's writing up things saying, hold off, guys, we can't do this. We don't have the ability to do what's going on there. So why don't you pull your horses back in before you get us committed into a fight we're not ready to do. So unlike his boss, General Milley, who once spoke his mind, and then I guess got his fingers burned and now says what he thinks the uh, his boss, the president, wants to hear, this uh, supreme allied commander in Europe speaks his mind publicly. Would, would he have told Secretary of, Sta of, uh, of Defense Austin, his boss, that he was going to say this before he said it? Is he getting ready to retire? <laughs> <laughs> well, generally speaking, um, whenever military personnel of that caliber, that rank with that kind of uh, responsibility, before they give a public presentation of this nature, the comments are vetted and approved. And also possible questions that could be asked, the answers are prepared. So there's no doubt in my mind that what he said is something that was approved to be said. And he picked that form to say it, to send a signal to other military people out there to calm this thing down. Stop trying to create the perception that NATO is ready to go forth and conquer. We can't. We're not ready for this. We don't have the ammunition for this. We don't have the training, the organization. Uh, we don't want this. And that's why he gave the statement. Uh, and it's been picked up. And hopefully... Things are going to calm down. Um, look, Biden knows that this war is over. <laughs> he knows it. Everybody knows it. Even the Ukrainians are beginning to know it. Um, and, and now the question is, how do you disentangle yourself from this mess that you've made um, with as minimal loss as possible? And I'm not just talking about the loss of Ukrainian lives, because believe me, that's the last thing on our minds. We don't care about them because if we did, we wouldn't have allowed this situation to occur where hundreds of thousands are dead, millions are wounded. Tens of millions are displaced, a trillion dollars of infrastructure damage. That tells me we don't care about the Ukrainians, but we do care about saving face. And so they're trying to find a face-saving mechanism to disentangle themselves and get out of this. And that might be a bridge too far, but hopefully they're working in that direction. Scott Ritter, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Oh, and thanks for keeping the dogs on the second floor. <laughs> <laughs> All the best, Scott. Thank you. Judge Napolitano, thank you so much for watching us, my dear friends. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.